Please pray with me. Lord God, you have declared that your kingdom is among us. Open our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, our hearts to hold it, our hands to serve it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's gospel reading is from Luke 18, 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Jesus tells a story, says Luke's gospel, a story for those who are confident in themselves, sure of themselves, sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are right. So they look down upon and even despise others. Am I wrong or does that sound a tiny bit familiar? After the week we've had, with TV interviews and Facebook posts, with editorials and blogs all focused on the presidential election, its meaning and aftermath, these words resonate in a powerful way. Jesus told a story for those confident in their righteousness, so confident that they regarded others with contempt. Friends, regardless of your party affiliation or the vote you cast for president, there is one thing we can all agree upon today. We live in a deeply divided country. We live in a country where many feel left out and hopeless. We live in a country where many feel unsafe and frightened. And we, the people, don't share one definition of greatness for America and we fundamentally disagree about how our nation might be strong or together. And everywhere, from every side, voices are speaking. On and on. And often these voices are confident, sure of their point of view and their righteousness. And from every side, such voices can and do slip into vilifying and contemptuous descriptions of the other, right? Yikes. Al and I and our daughter Rachel, we've been planning for months to go to a big family reunion for Thanksgiving down in Houston, but I'm beginning to have second thoughts. Any of you having this problem? You see, my 
family is very large, and it's a kind of microcosm of our nation, I think. I keep imagining myself sitting at the Thanksgiving table along with my daughter and Al and, and, and imagining the loud arguments that are going to happen about the election that just took place. You see, I have an uncle who doesn't have a politically correct bone in his body. And he is just thrilled with the outcome of the election. And then I have a cousin who's a political activist, for goodness sakes. And she's extremely progressive. She's like in mourning right now. The rest of my family falls somewhere along the continuum, the entire political continuum. They fall within the full spectrum of feelings and motivations. And as a family, we are not shy. We're not quiet. We easily argue. We easily speak over one another. I honestly think Thanksgiving at my aunt's house this year is going to be like a reality TV show. And I don't want to be a part of it. So I wonder, I wonder, could Jesus' story from Luke's gospel have something to say to us this morning? What if it's more than just a parable about prayer or humility or tax collectors and Pharisees? What if Jesus has a word for us about our country, about our families, about our behavior? And what if Jesus is speaking to the church, calling us out to be a part of healing this nation, to help this country move forward in this divisive and contemptuous time? Friends, I believe the gospel is doing just that. And I believe there are kingdom principles here in this story to guide us. So let's draw closer to the story. Jesus said, two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. The Pharisee is a righteous man. He practices his religion flawlessly, and he is grateful for his spiritual progress. That's a nice way of saying it, right? Grateful. The tax collector, he's a sinner. And he prays a simple prayer asking for God's mercy. One man prays with his hands and his heart and his head raised up to heaven in praise. And one man prays with his body and his face pointed down in need. One man prays up. One man prays down. So far, so good. But watch closely. Watch the righteous Pharisee, the one so careful to do the right things, because in the very midst of his praise and righteousness, he takes his eyes off heaven. While he appears to be praying up, he really begins to pray sideways, putting his attention on how he stacks up with everyone around him. His face may be turned up, but in his mind, he takes the wrong step. I'm the truly righteous one here, he thinks, and it seeps into his prayer, doesn't it? Thomas Merton put it this way, there's something of this worm in the hearts of all religious people. As soon as they have done something which they know to be good in the eyes of God, they tend to take its reality to themselves and make it their own. They tend to destroy their virtues by claiming them for themselves and clothing their own private illusions of themselves with values that really 
belong to God. I believe Jesus gives us this Pharisee as a warning. It's a warning for you and for me and for the church. You see, we are to seek righteousness and justice. We aren't to be deterred by any election or or by earthly leaders of any kind. We're to discern what is good and holy and worthy of God's kingdom, and we are to diligently, tirelessly work for those things. And we are to be grateful, to lift our eyes and hands in prayer. But we must not fall into the temptations of the Pharisee. And what are those temptations? To take God's place as the judge of the other. To believe you know the heart of the other. And to limit God's mercy to the other. To take God's place as the judge of the other. To believe you know the heart of the other. And then to limit God's mercy to the other. Does any of this sound familiar after what we've been through, my friends? In contrast, says Jesus, look at the tax collector. He simply comes to God asking for mercy and forgiveness. Here, says Jesus, is one who isn't leaning on good deeds, isn't leaning on the correct belief, isn't leaning on religious sacrifice. He isn't leaning on public appearance or social position. No, this one, this normal run-of-the-mill sinner, he leans on God's grace and nothing else. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. He leans on God's grace, certain that God is his judge, that God knows his heart, and that God's mercy is deep and wide and available. When Al and I were young pastors, there was a man in our congregation named Oren Hayes. I will never forget him. I didn't meet him until he was almost 70 years old. But Oren was the godliest man I ever knew. And one day I approached him and asked him to consider becoming an elder for our church. Oren took my hands and very sweetly, politely looked me in the face and said, no way. (laughs) Now, you don't know me, or you didn't know me as a young woman, but I wasn't exactly a shrinking violet, and I didn't take no for an answer. So I bluntly just said to Oren, why in the world not? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, well, Stacy, you didn't know me before I met Christ. I was an absolute scoundrel. I looked at this angelic 70-year-old man and said, there's no way. He said, no, really, I, I, I was quite the sinner. I still don't actually believe him, but he says he was. But then I came to faith in Christ, he said. And God's grace, it flooded my life. It changed my life. I've never been the same, but I can't be an elder. You see, I can't sit in judgment of others. I can't be a spiritual leader of others, not when I am so very dependent upon God's grace every single day. Well, let me tell you, Al and I didn't rest until Oren Hayes agreed to be an ordained elder and serve on our session. 
because that's exactly the kind of man, the kind of Christian, the kind of spiritual leader the world needs and the church needs. It's the kind of spiritual leader the world and church still need today, the kind of spiritual leader the church must be now for this divided land. Oren knew how to lean upon the grace of God, and he could resist those temptations, those temptations that plague all good religious people to take God's place as the judge of the other, to presume to know the heart of the other and to limit God's mercy to the other. Friends, this is Christ's guidance for us for this moment. In the fog of divisiveness and contempt, we are meant to shine a light. We are meant to lead the way. We are meant to calm fears and to include others. And we must not grow weary. We must never grow weary of doing our part to bring God's kingdom in to make America as close to that kingdom as possible. And that's going to begin, it's going to begin with keeping from the temptations of the Pharisee. No matter what side we're on politically or how we feel about the election, whether we are looking at protesters and mourners and labeling them the other, or we're observing the gleeful celebrators and we are labeling them the other, May God keep us from the temptation of taking God's place as their judge. May God keep us from the temptation of believing that we know their hearts and we know their motivations. And may God keep us from the temptation of limiting God's mercy to them or to anyone in this nation. And most importantly, in this election season and in every season, no matter what life throws our way, may we learn, really learn to lean, to lean on the grace of God we know in Jesus Christ. May it become second nature to us and may we teach others to do the same. One beautiful spring day, a hang glider launched and was was forcefully lifted 4,200 feet into the air. During her descent, she suddenly got hit by a powerful blast of air. It sent that glider plummeting to the ground. She was falling at an alarming rate, and she was trapped in a, in a kind of airborne riptide. As she was struggling, she noticed a red-tailed hawk just six feet off her right wing. And it was fighting the same gust of air that she was and then all of a sudden, at 300 feet or so, that hawk banked suddenly, and it flew straight downwind. It looked like suicide. From out of nowhere, the thought entered the woman's head, follow the hawk. It went, it went against everything she knew about flying, but she was at the mercy of the wind. Her knowledge was useless now, so she followed the hawk. At about 100 feet, the hawk suddenly gained altitude. For a split second, the hang glider seemed suspended, motionless in space, and then a warm surge of air started to push the glider upward. Nothing the woman knew as a pilot could explain the phenomenon, but sure enough, she was rising. 
Friends, Jesus ends our parable saying, all those who would exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to hear that as good news. It may sound like judgment, but it's grace. It's God's promise to hear all our prayers, up, down, and sideways, and to deal with us as we need. It's God's promise that as we learn to lean on God's grace, God's mercy will lift us and our families and our nation. It's God's promise that when we fall into temptation like that Pharisee, when we get puffed up or proud or judgmental, that God's mercy will bring us down. So we can join the party with all those other sinners. It's God's promise that he's in charge. That regardless of a national election, that God's kingdom will come and God's will will be done in ways we can only begin to imagine. Thanks be to God. And so we need to pray. We need to lean on God's grace, my friends. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our families. We need to pray for our church. And let us make some space. In all the noise and turmoil of our lives, let us make space for God. The God who knows our hearts. The God who judges us and chastens us. The God who extends mercy when we need it. And just as we need it. Have mercy upon us, O God. Have mercy upon our nation. Have mercy upon this church. Help us to lean into your grace, the grace we know in Jesus Christ. Amen.